0: First of all, thanks Mark, uh, and actually also thanks Chana and Tussara because I think they have all kind of set up a bit the context of what I'm going to say because I'm going to talk a bit about international video B- about dual career services. Um, right, I want to tell you a bit about the story about why I became interested into that. So, um, quite a few years ago, I was a coordinator of a working group for um, early career research and PhD candidates at the European level. And I got uh, an email invitation uh, from Tandem Project, Alexandra Zink, who was in ETH Zurich, and she was uh, asking people, you know, researchers, to tell their personal stories and what they think about mobility of researchers and uh, kind of like career decisions. <coughs> and I had a very, very interesting uh, discussion with her, and because I was at the stage where I was finishing my PhD, I didn't know what to do, and she was like, you know, so what does your partner do and you know have you thought about moving together and would he be willing to move and and then he was saying oh we're doing a lot about your careers i was like oh i didn't think of that and he said "Yeah, yeah yeah and is there anything you're doing at the european level you know with the organization we are working on and i was like no actually i didn't i didn't know anything about it until you actually you know raised it So um, we decided in our working group to actually do a bit of research and actually write a policy document because we thought it would be such an interesting topic. So we started doing a bit of um, research to actually see what institutions how many institutions uh, and what kind of programs they offer, and do a policy paper, which was actually published on um, a kind of like a Eurodoc level, which is the organization I was talking. But then we actually decided to present it to a conference, and then I decided to take it further and actually make it into an academic paper. And this is what I'm going to present to you now. So this is kind of like the story of how I was interested in to do a and one of the things that um, kind of like I, I, what I kind of like started finding when I was looking into the, the topic is how much, you know, we know that there's a growing proportion of women completing doctoral degrees. Actually, there's a faster growth of women compared to men in completing doctoral degrees. But we also know uh, from studies in the US, but also in Europe, that there's a greater tendency of female academics to be partnered with other academics. Especially in specific science, physics is one. Actually, where there's a very uh, disciplinary endogamy uh, apparently, phenomenon uh, taking place, and women um, s- uh, were more likely thus to be in a dual career relationship. At the same time, we know that mobility is increasingly required for an ac- for career advancement, and I think you know Sana kind of like did say, and Tussari in her experience, also kind of showed that. Um, and we are in kind of like in this uh, paper, I, I kind of like have the assumption that. Higher education institutions are gender organisations. They have gender norms, everyday practices and policies which reproduce gender equality in academia. So I decided to look at dual career couples and uh, the dual career couple concept is based on dual career families by Rapoport and Rappaport. Um, in kind of like dual career couples, is at least one is working in academia. When we're talking about dual academic career couples it's when both is working in academia. But I'm going to talk about the overall one and if there is a dual academic career couple I will let you know. The merit academics is high, uh, we have a high incidence of dual career couples especially in science. There was a, a recent research study of ERC grantees where uh, Vicky Mbukeral actually found that there is um, you know a lot of academics that are actually partnered with other academics. Um, and it's interesting I was like okay so there are all these this information about your career couples, so what's happening, you know, how do the institutions respond to that? Uh, do they respond? And actually I found that in the U.S. actually there are so many programs about your career services um, and uh, they started in the 90s and they are currently very well established actually and the main rationale about that was of attract- attracting high quality faculty. In Europe, when we're talking about recruitment and retention of excellent academic staff is very important for higher education institutions, but it's really interesting when we're talking about pay is so important, academic freedom is important, that there is not so much about the effect of partner considerations or family considerations, what Emily was saying before about it's not an individual decision, especially uh, at some states, you know, family is coming in, partner considerations are coming in, there is a kind of more collective decision. Um, There's limited studies on dual-career couples in Europe, and there's even less on institutional response towards this issue. So I wanted to know kind of like how do institutions respond to the increasing requirement for mobility, and to what extent dual-career services disrupt or reinforce gender inequalities. So what we did, we actually did online desktop research. We actually tried to kind of identify institutions that they have dual-career services uh, for dual career couples. I've identified Germany, Switzerland, Denmark, and uh, with the U.S. because it was a, a good comparison because it was so well-established so actually it would be good to go back and forth and I did a couple of interviews with um, Michigan University and um, Iowa University I think um, and the thing is not I should tell you something else now there's, always, there's also in Norway and Austria but this is uh, the smaller research it was the previous research, so I actually haven't updated uh, to include those, but I'm actually working a bit more on uh, developing this further. Um, so we did uh, some uh, send an e- ma- emails to the people who were responsible for um, these careers, including Mark, if I remember well, and we also did some interviews. And we asked them about, you know, why, you know, how did this emerge? You know, why did you do it? What kind of services did you offer? Uh, what were the benefits? What were the challenges? and I did a thematic analysis of those responses and in the interviews. Now before I go to what I was finding I think it's very important to look at the kind of like at academic mobility uh, when it happens in a dual career couple what mobility means when it is within a, a dual career couple and um, it's kind of like yeah, there are additional challenges because if we take the assumption that we're talking about two highly skilled professionals, not necessarily academics, but highly skilled professionals, we're talking about highly competitive labour market, locationally constrained careers due to highly specialised nature of work and limited vacancies, especially for academics, let's say two physicists, you know, very difficult to find a job and, you know, for academic couples, you know, very niche jobs required. And what we know from actually research studies is that when uh, women are in those dual carry couples, there are usually there are greater consequences for them. I think Mark mentioned about the ninety percent. which is it's it's a great percentage. You know, it's dominating the spouses that he supports. And we do find that, for example, when it comes to career progression, many women will actually scale back their careers in order to follow their partner. Uh, When we have, uh, actually, when the partner is moving, usually the woman will go back and take much less, uh, you know, a good job in a way. Uh, In the US actually there was a study on postdocs and they were showing how women with really prestigious postdoctoral fellowships they would scale back in order to be with their partner in the next job. Um, But also we can see the gender and age which comes in the intersection where it's actually negatively affecting women because the power relations between partners are based on career stage and earnings and women are younger usually at early career stage and that kind of like affects the decisions and where you know where they were going, who is going to follow uh, who. And uh, actually in Akers she did a study on Marie Curie Fellows uh, in Europe and she was finding that it would be either that women would relocate and the partner would stay where they are. They would try to find uh, uh, you know, a way to commute and kind of like d- you know, meet or the women follow them. Um, so it actually has an effect on kind of like their lives. Um, so do career services in European higher education institutions. So the main rationale that uh, we were finding that institutions we were doing was about talent management. You know, we want to recruit the best, so the, you know, the excellent. I think the excellence was coming in your presentation. You know, we want to retain them as well. Um, interestingly, in Germany and in Switzerland, there was also a rationale about gender equality and about providing equal opportunities. And uh, you see this is uh, from a German um, representative where they were saying about how, yes, it is an equal opportunity, but also kind of attracting and retaining staff. In in Germany and in Switzerland actually there was federal funding and they did a lot of pilot and explore effects in order to make it um, uh, kind of like what what is the impact of this federal funding. However, they had some issues with sustainability because as soon as the federal funding was expiring then some of the institutions, well most of the institutions would not integrate them within their regular budget. So some of them would actually disappear after the funding. Um, in Denmark, the higher education institution was very much focused on retention of international researchers, and kind of I think Mark that did touch upon. And it's a range of services that is being provided, very much focused on the job advice on CVs, applications, interviews, guidance on job search, information on local and national level market, career workshops, networking events, access to employees in the region. There were different practices as well. So in Denmark there was a VIP category. I don't know if that exists again still. Is that? So for example, when you have to- when you have spouse international staff who are appointed as professorial staff, then you have access to tailor guidance for childcare, housing, taxes, and mortgage. So actually again you will see kind of like the power relationship and kind of how the access is not as open as you would have expected. And then in Switzerland, actually the federal programme the, the, that was a very interesting program because there was a lot of money invested and it was actually organized around two things the one was individual and the other one was structural measure, measures so the first one was a fund for peri development which was supporting the partners of sorry this was the first hires so that meant that if a couple was going and the one person was hired, the second would be hired as well. And, and these are, sorry, these are for dual academic uh, career couples, so they're both academics. 50% is financed by the program, the federal program, and 50% by the higher education institutions. 27 couples were benefited, and what they were trying to do, they were trying to get more women. Um, however, mo- most of the women were in the second hires, and uh, the The positions they were occupying were 65% professorial and then 35% were junior um, uh, scientists. And then they had, the federal funding program had a structural element where they were giving money to develop structures and then the institutions would decide how to use this funding. The German speaking were uh, undertaking institutional proposals, so they were doing pilot feasibility studies within the institutions, while the non-German they did the joint project internet platform. So it's a carriere. Uh, I think um, CH and what they have I think they probably are connected with ITN if I if I remember well yeah. yeah so they have access to kind of like a range of employers now interestingly I was going and I was kind of like putting a bit of my gender lens on that and trying to understand okay this is a great response you know institutions are picking up the fact that you know uh, academics need to be mobile they need to go to other institutions. So what do they do? Do they actually make the transition easier, smoother? Do they actually support you know, the individuals who are going on mobility? Um, but the thing is that because of some of the um, human restrictions they had in terms of the eligibility, they were actually benefiting much more the men rather than the women. Uh, because uh, the women were less likely to access our services when, you know, they, when they weren't in such a professorial level position. And the issues of childcare, housing, financial assistance are often more critical at early career stage rather than profess- for professorial staff. And many of these institutions were providing these uh, services to professorial staff of so quite high level. Um, at the same time, we, we have the studies who have shown that actually the workplace assumptions about your academic career couples, um, especially when the woman is the partner, uh, what, sorry, especially about the woman, is quite negative. So for example, they did um, something on German uh, carry couples and they were finding that when women asked about support for couples, uh, were more likely to be offered and when women were uh, asking were not seen favourably, favourably by appointment committees. Um, and the other thing is that when accompanying a partner was a female, employees assumed that ambitions were limited and they would not really you know, offer such a, if you want, it will offer more like a compromising position, something that in a way would be like, oh, you know, we can give you that, you know, because, you know, that's, that's good enough. In the U.S. they have this um, kind of like a dual career hiring, so they will have money. So, for example, Michigan University, they have budget at central level and then each department will have budget for dual career couples. And what happens for dual academic career couples? So what happens is that if, for example, somebody comes in physics and their partner is by bi- biologist, then they will say, we really want the physics person. So the biologist will have a two-year, let's say, support post, which will be funded one-third by the central university, one-third by the biology, and one-third by the physics. And then we kind of like provide this kind of like, if you want, grant that they need in order to get to a stage where they can apply for a job or get the job. However, again, there are some issues about how is these are being seen. And uh, because usually the women were the second highest, it's kind of like how are they perci- how are they perci- perceived, whether they're doubted, uh, kind of like, oh yeah, she was, you know, she was hired along with her husband, you know, and kind of like the challenges that this. Uh, process entails so kind of like the conclusions I think you know it's what we were saying before it is increasing it is a requirement that can penalize women Um, the European practice I think it's a great institutional response in continental Europe but they can be limiting in addressing gender inequalities. and we really need to review those practices again with a gender lens to to disrupt rather than reproduce you know gender equality and actually the gender practices we were talking before this is kind of like i think there's more research that needs to be done um and i wish I had more resources more time <laughs> hopefully in the future i, I will uh, but i think at the moment it's really interesting what's being happening in continent and europe and i know that things happen sometimes in, in the uk but very ad hoc and informally a professorial level where you have spouses being supported uh, but this is more like a one-to-one basis and it's not formalized in any way very much. Thank you.